welcome to Cooper and Carey Have Words. This is a post-Christmas, pre-New Year special in which we talk about nothing much in particular, as opposed to our regular uh, right. episode. Content. Yeah. My name is James Carey. I'm over here in uh, Somerset in the UK, over there in Barry. Over there in Barry is my friend Cooper. No, over there in Florida, not the island of Barry, is Barry Cooper. Hello. Hello, James. It's festively sunny over here. Loving it. And it's a joy to be with you. Uh, if you are watching video and you're a patron, you can see our very festively unconvincing background, which is an extra incentive for you. If you don't currently listen on, on Patreon or, or Cooper and Carey Plus, but it's great to be with you wherever you are and whatever you happen to be doing right now. Thanks for joining us in this post-Christmas haze. Yeah, it's a very strange time of the year, isn't it? Because um, it, it is technically Christmas, and this is why this is this is a heavily unscripted episode, as if we normally have a script. We're, gonna, <laughs> we're basically yeah. going to be going through our favourite things of 2022, you know, books and things we've seen, and favourite episodes we've done. We flatter ourselves. Favourite episodes of things other people have done, which is probably more interesting. One of my bugbears, a bugbear number 729, hmm. is that we need to celebrate Advent. Yes, because. If you feast during Advent, you got nowhere to go at Christmas. And what that yeah. means is you hit Christmas afternoon and you're already sick of Christmas. So where possible, mm. I would say, have yourselves a very merry Advent uh, and be abstemious where possible. And then have 12 days of feasting rather than 25 days of feasting and mm. then several days of guilt and ineffective dieting thereafter. I think what you've done, James, is you've seriously underestimated my capacity for feasting. Okay. I'm quite happy to start around about, well, around about the time that you first hear Last Christmas played at your local coffee shop. Yeah. And then continue all the way through. It's essentially what we're doing here, Shea Cooper. But I do realise other opinions are valid. But the thing is, you, you are now adopting Thanksgiving in some way. Yeah. So do you hear Christmas music before Thanksgiving or does, is Thanksgiving the day after the day when the music kicks in? When it's chocks away. Um, not exactly. There is a bit of a blurring there. I'm not going to lie. And I quite like the way that I quite like the idea of just all right after Thanksgiving, all bets are off. You can get the Christmas decks up. That seems to be quite a, a good way of doing it over here anyway. Whereas we tend to in the UK, it's Christmas from because now Halloween's so much bigger than it used to be. You know, when we were growing up as kids, it yeah. was a bit of a bit of a nothing. And, yeah. and Guy Fawkes Night, which we've done an episode on before, uh, mm -hmm. was more of a thing with fireworks and celebrating the execution of a Catholic over right. a uh, a plot to depose uh, James the First. Yeah, you're making it sound weird, James. It's not though at all, is it? No, it's, no, it's, it's not what, weird. What could be more natural? I mean, burning a burning an effigy of a Roman Catholic every year and yeah, encouraging yeah, kids yeah. to do it. What, what's wrong with that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's, it's sensible policies for a happier Britain. It's political correctness run mad. <laughs> it's exactly yeah. So, but now now that um, Halloween is a bigger thing, it just feels like from November onwards, that's when the lights go up and Christmas decorations. Although lots of towns in the UK, I think, have been putting up their lights later and switching them on later so they don't mm. have horrendous um, electricity bills because obviously this Christmas, it's uh, it's not just uh, the winter of discontent. Uh, it is yeah. also the winter of expensive fuel bills. So um, It is. So, Do yeah. we even know it's Christmas yes. at all? Yeah, that's right. Living um, in our terrible poverty. Yes, yeah. that's right. Again, when you listen to that, do they know it's Christmas song? It's like, yeah. oh, a, um, an entire continent with more Christians in it than Europe. Yeah, 
Yeah, they know yeah, it's Christmas. Yeah, they do know it's Christmas, don't they? Yeah. 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 Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're a Christian, mostly. Yeah. Well, it is. It's definitely a time of austerity. Maybe we can get Ethiopia on the phone and just get them to have a whip round or perhaps put on a rock concert for us. Yeah. So that we're able to turn our electricity, our, our lights on a bit longer yeah. this time of year. Yeah. Well, that that's very much a hope. Deck the halls with James and Barry. Why don't we have a think about looking back over 2022? We will hmm. mention uh, our mailbag shortly, and you can always send us an email, cooperandcary at gmail.com, and we do read them, and we occasionally reply to them, but hmm. we do read them. Um, yeah, especially this time of year. Got nothing else on. Well, exactly. But what we're going to do is look back, and where, where should we start with favourite things of, of 2022? Should we start bookishly, talk about yep. books? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, shall I start? Please do. Um, my, I've got a couple of runners up, and then my, I'll announce the big winner. There are two runners up. Somebody we um, interviewed, Carl Truman, uh, the rise and triumph of the modern self, cultural amnesia, expressive individualism, the road to sexual revolution. That was probably well, that was very close to being my favourite book this year. Huge explanatory power, and you'll know if you've read Truman. He's he's a bit he's a bit racy. He's witty, uh, so it's a good read. So I would say if you've not read that previously, uh, it would benefit you enormously to do it. And he's very, very um, graciously put out a newer book, a newer version of it, which I think is like a an abridged, slightly revised version. So it should be a, maybe a more manageable read, which is called, I think, Strange New World, something like that. So yeah. worth checking out. Do you have any runners up or are you just going straight for your number one choice? Well, I've got a I've got a favorite author of 2022 yeah. uh, because I think I've ended up reading three of her books uh, this year. Would you believe, Barry, I'm going for fiction? Would you believe that? I do believe it and I, I want to believe it and I'm delighted. What have you chosen? So I think I've chosen? chosen a book called Henrietta's House by Elizabeth uh, Googe. Now, yeah. Elizabeth Googe uh, died in the 1980s. She's an English uh, writer. She's famous for, for a book called The Little White Horse, which is J.K. Rowling's favourite book growing up, and it's not a book mm. I've read. But mm. she was brought up in and around the church, Elizabeth Googe, and there's actually a, a blue plaque for her in the city of Wells, which is not far from uh, where where I live. And so she was brought up in cathedral closes and that sort of thing. And so uh, the the first book I read uh, by her was called uh, City of Bells, uh, which is mm. set in a fictional version of Wells and is a lovely, charming book um, about an orphan girl and uh, being adopted by a family. And this is all sort of about you know, 120 years ago, set around about the turn of the century. And there's it's a, it's a bit magical and mysterious, but it is distinctly, distinctly Christian without being... Mm. Um, really unnecessarily preachy. It's just part yes. of the um, the world, and so it's and you've got lots of old deans and canons floating around uh, this cathedral. Um, so it's very much a an old school Church of England kind of setting, but but mm. in one sense none the worse for it, and probably a fairly honest portrayal in some ways. Mm. But then uh, there were two other sort of spin offs of that. One is called. Uh, Sister of Angels, which is Christmas themed, and I'm currently reading that to my daughters at the moment. And then there's a, the one that I read over the summer, which is the third one called Henrietta's House, which mm. is a bit magical and dreamy as well. And it's just, it's just really good, um, uh, but child friendly. My kids are 14 and 12, and they really liked it. And but yeah, mm. I wouldn't start with it. I would start with City of Bells, which is not really a children's book. So. Um, 
very good recommendation. I like the sound of that. I'm sure there are other things. I've just I've almost finished reading Exorcism in the in the Church of England, but uh, we'll... another one for the kids then. Yes, that's right. We'll get yeah. onto that later, uh, maybe if if you're very good <laughs> listeners. Yeah. Um, Actually, exorcism would be, that whole area would be a fun topic for an episode, wouldn't it? It really would. It's bothering me quite a lot, actually, because it's yeah. not immediately obvious to me. And it, it kind of, well, let's get into it now then. We've done our books. Well, no, I've got an, I've got another runner-up and then my winner. Okay. So I've, my, my second runner-up would be Working the Angles by Eugene Peterson, right. which is kind of about how to pastor. So I'm not going to go into massive detail because I realise that's a bit niche. This was recommended to me by former guest Rees Laverty. And it's it's a cracker. I would say Peterson is is definitely a read with discernment discernment guy because yep. there are times where he says stuff and you go, ah. this you is Eugene Peterson. Eugene Peterson, that's mm. right. You sort of go, ah. um, he he's one of these guys that's such a good writer that you sometimes get the sense that he, he's a bit intoxicated with his own turns of phrase. Right. Do you know what I mean? He, and so he gets high on his own supply a bit. And you think, oh, I'm not quite sure I'd follow you that far. That said, he says tons of stuff, which is really helpful, particularly for a conservative evangelical guy like me. He would call himself, I think, conservative evangelical if he was going to put a label on it. But he just tends to think outside the box anyway. So that was super hard. My winner, uh, super good, my winner would be um, an amazing novel. Mine's fiction as well. Uh, 20 years old, actually. So it didn't just come out, but I did just read it this year. It's a novel called Peace Like a River by Leif Enger which is a beautiful novel centred on an asthmatic 11-year-old called Reuben Land. And to be honest, he had me at asthmatic. Um, <laughs> it's, it's the story it's set in the 1960s of his family's journey across the frozen badlands of the Dakotas in search of his fugitive older brother who's accused of manslaughter. And again, kind of like your recommendation, one of the things I really loved about this book is that there's an evocation of magic in it. So his father is a Christian believer who may or may not have worked miracles. Because the narrator's trying to remember these things, you quite often think, oh, did that actually happen? Mm. But you come out of it thinking, yeah, I think it maybe maybe did. And it's completely compelling and wonderful. So it, it's one of these novels that has the ability to make you see the world with more enchanted eyes. And it's just be beautifully written and... Um, just an amazing novel. Highly recommended. That's Peace Like a River by Leif Enger. That's all I've got in the way of books. No, that's good. I'm just looking back over uh, what I what else I've read this year because I also use Goodreads, but I'm not terribly good at keeping up. Yeah, me uh, too. With it. Um, yeah. I did read Moonwalking with Einstein, which was interesting about, huh. uh, about basically world memory championships and how you go about memorising uh, stuff. So uh, that was good. I've read a number of books about farming in the land. I read a book called Fieldwork, what mm. land does to people and what people do to land. And it's like many books that I often end up reading about the countryside and farming and that sort of thing, is that it often ends up being very, very downbeat and gloomy about the overall plight of people who work on the land. And it just feels a bit mm. like, yeah, it just feels like there's no real hope. And I, and I don't really mm. think that's a terribly healthy way of going about things so yeah um, so not a christian the author in that particular book or the one you just no no about? just a this is just a farm so i'm really interested in in you know land and um farming yeah. and agriculture and, and that kind of stuff so so yeah i'm just sort of going through my uh, amazon order list and have and that's one of the other ones that's got, got thrown up but 
I have bought some secondhand books as well, which, you know, I've just also read That Hideous Strength again, uh, but this time to my kids. And it was wow, slightly beyond really them, if that. I'm honest, but um, okay. I'm glad. I'm glad I did it and I do it again. I saw our friend uh, Reese actually tweeting about that, saying, I've just finished reading it and I am forever changed. Huh. So I keep I keep hearing these these staunch recommendations. I, I might actually get into it over Christmas. What? You've never read Christmas. it? Nah, nah, couldn't get into it. No, Did it not, insists upon itself. Did not like yeah. the movie. Fine, yeah. fine, fine actor. Um, so <laughs> we, we always Shall end we up talk with Peter Griffin eventually, don't we? Which is eventually, just yeah, disgraceful. Talking uh, of which, should we talk about TV stroke film? Yeah, let's That'd talk about TV. That's a good category to get into. Yeah. Carrie, did you know? For me, I loved, I really enjoyed Stranger Things season four, though this will depend on how much you like the song Running Up That Hill by Kate Bush, which features prominently. But I will say that the bit where the song literally saves the universe, I'm sorry if this is a spoiler, just turn your volume down for a second if you haven't watched it yet, by bringing Max back to reality, where she's kind of like hovering oh, yeah, over yeah. the Oh yeah, yeah. But she doesn't save like, the universe at that point, but kind no, of. No, but, it's, but it's, t it's tending that way. It's a big moment. So you sort, yeah, exactly. It's a huge moment. That really was a, even though it's totally ludicrous, that really was a hair on back of neck standing up moment for me. I thought it was one of the most brilliantly executed pieces of TV I've seen for a long time. Yeah, so, it was. Yeah. Good, good moment. And I'm a big fan of Steve the Hare Harrington as well. Uh, yes, he's a, one, wonderful, isn't he? A rare example of sort of redemption in a character who then continues, because quite often when a character yeah. like him, who was a bit of a, a bit of a baddie at the start, comes good, I think they just thought, oh, he's much better when he's he's a good guy, but he's stuck with the kids and feeling like he should be yeah. off doing other things. Yeah, he's got he's probably got the best arc of all the characters, wouldn't you say? Yeah, across yeah, yeah, all yeah, the yeah. seasons, yeah. it's just really interesting. Yeah, I thought Andor was good if you had the patience for it. Okay. The Star Wars thing on Disney Plus. Although I still, I think we might have talked about Rogue, what Rogue One before, because yeah. you guys liked it a lot, and I did like it, but I still think Diego Luna is a bit uncharismatic, a bit boring as an actor. I'm sure he's a lovely guy, but I just so again that was a bit of a thing for me. But that said, I love the practical sets, I love the world building, all of that. So yeah. I think if you're a Star Wars fan, you definitely get into that. I think I might give that a go. We have Disney Plus at the moment, so um, it's on my list. Uh, so we've got Stranger Things and Augur. Any others? No, I think those... I, I didn't watch a whole ton. I watched, watched an interesting documentary about an earthquake in Nepal uh, and the way it hit people on Mount Everest called Aftershock. I can't remember what channel that's on. I think that may be Netflix, but that was really interesting as well because I went to, I was in Nepal 25, 30 years ago and so found that particularly fascinating. Uh, yeah, it was really, really good. My choices are not terribly complicated. So Stranger Things is, is my highly commended and I've got number three is probably Rogue Heroes, which is this story of the SAS and how it came about. Hmm. Um, so it's sort of action, adventure, comedy and... Where's that on? What channel? So that's on BBC. That's been on BBC Two. So that's on the iPlayer, and uh, it's it's great. It's the sort of thing that people tend not to make because it's all a bit action adventure, not terribly complicated. That mm. there's only one woman in it, <laughs> um, oh and the rest of it is completely off their heads. Uh, SAS yeah. guys. So that's kind of exciting. And then there's I quite like Reacher. Um, mm which was just an uncomplicated 
again, action adventure kind of stuff with some jokes. You know, I, I like entertaining shows. I don't watch shows that take six episodes to get into. You mm. know, I, I thought, oh, is that Severance any good? I liked him in Parks and Rec. Oh, no, I don't think I want to watch this. <laughs> I don't think you're going to like Andor. No, okay. <laughs> but go on, yeah, yeah. And then my number one, though, is yeah. Slow Horses. Yes, I'm halfway through the first episode. It's really good. Yeah. yeah. So I've seen season one and I'm now up to date with season two at time of recording. Um, yep. At time of transmission, I may have suddenly turned on it and discovered that I've been betrayed, but I doubt it. Mm. But it's it's proper funny and Gary Oldman is just amazing in it. But I think Jack Loudon, who plays uh, River, someone like that, is yeah. also... He's so good. He's like a good-looking Simon Pegg, but he's also got the sensibility of like Martin Freeman in terms of how he reacts to people and all that kind of stuff. So yes, yeah, it's it's a weird trick if you can do it to play low status as he does, whilst obviously being a very good-looking chap. Yeah, um, uh, he really pulls it off. Yeah, yeah no. So Slow Horses was a bit of a, you know, I was genuinely excited when it came back on that, and when. Um, Stranger Things 4 is coming, it's coming, it's here, it's here, and you watch it straight away. So that's kind of a hallmark <laughs> of this is a show that I love. Harry. Well, let's talk about listening and audio. Shall we start? Do we talk about podcasts? Do you have a favourite non-Christian podcast that you like to listen to, James? Well, I guess that the, there's a show I listen to without almost without fail, which is The Remnant, which is Jonah Goldberg. But his Saturday morning one, where it's just him on his own, um, and after he's sort of stopped fetching about his health and being tired, and sorry, I'm really mm. stressed at the moment because um, he just sort of has a good chat with himself for an hour. So mm. I listen to that. My all-time favourite podcast, which collides my universes, is called The Glop. Uh, which hmm. is Jonah Goldberg, Rob Long, and John Podoritz. Jonah Goldberg, conservative Christian, conservative commentator, not Christian. Uh, hmm. But Rob Long is a sitcom writer, and he wrote one of my favourite oh. books, Conversations with My Agent, which is about being a sitcom writer. But hmm. he's like one of the only screenwriters in America who's politically conservative. And there's hmm. another guy called John Podoritz who kind of holds the whole thing together. So for me, that is, that's fortnightly, and that is an absolute treat whenever it's on. But my other Very main good. audio listening, apart from sort of, I do listen to a lot of the Theopolis podcasts. I listen to loads of yep. sort of James Jordany type things. But the other one, other thing I listen to is I've just been listening to a lot of cricket this year because since since the summer, England's Test cricket has been perplexingly amazing. We were a, <laughs> we were a bad bad cricket team, and suddenly new change of change of manager change of captain they are just jaw-dropping absolutely mm. jaw-dropping and the test just after recording just just before uh we've recorded this episode england won the first test away in pakistan with one of mm. the most remarkable test matches i can remember for a variety mm. of technical reasons that are of no interest to the listeners but uh, there's just something about test match special which is preferable to the sky coverage where they just feel like your friends and all that kind of stuff so so there's that. Uh, I'm sure I've listened to some Very audio books as well, but um, they're not my natural uh, listening audio, audio books. But when I go driving, I tend to uh, listen to a bit more uh, in terms of yeah. audio book. Um, but okay. the adaptations of Jeeves and Worcester, which have Richard Bryars as Bertie Worcester and Michael Horden as Jeeves, 
Oh, They're wow. BBC adaptations. They are absolutely outstanding. So I highly recommend uh, those if you're looking for oh, a, that's good. a lovely that's really listen. Good. How about you? What's your, what's your audio been? I, I don't think I have any new audio podcasts to recommend, apart from my usual recommendations. I think I've mentioned before the Adam Buxton podcast and the rest is history. rest is history. Shout out for them because they just did an episode on the Calvin Stroke Servetus affair, which is a fascinating episode in history. And I think they treat it with real um i think he treats it really even handedly so that's great most fun listen this year has been a really bizarre one and kind of unreproducible for anybody else but uh, when i was back in epsom at my dad's house i came across a bunch of old reel-to-reel um thing like magnetic tape had no idea what was on it because of course i didn't have a reel-to-reel to play it on so i sent it off to be digitized and it came back and it was basically just an hour of 1975 radio 2 my dad had just recorded it straight off the radio and it was just glorious to just sit there and pretend to be in 1975 again all the music that was beloved of radio 2 at that time and the sort of the cultural commentary and even some of the news items and stuff it was just just amazing listening i loved it that's the year i was born well there you go i'll send it to you so you think it's really fascinating what why did he record it What, what what's the story so i think he was just I think he was just maybe testing it, actually, because he he used to he was a bank manager, my dad, back in the era when, you know, you could actually go into a branch and talk to a bank manager. And he one of his customers was well, one of them was Ronnie Corbett. But that's another that's a whole other uh, conversation. Another one was a guy who uh, reviewed hi-fi equipment for a living. So quite often when he finished with hi-fi equipment, he just say to my dad, oh, do you want this? So my dad ended up with, I think that's partly why I'm podcasting now, he'd end up with all this amazing kit, not really quite sure how to use it. And then for a bit of fun, he'd just kind of experiment with it. And so he would just record whatever. There's also some really other great stuff on there, like me and my sister at the age of four, just generally sort of dossing around, which is a lot of fun to listen to, as you can imagine. So yeah. Recommended. <laughs> Highly recommended. Yeah. Um, and for our Patreon listeners, we'll be playing that. No, no, yeah. we won't be. <laughs> well, we could. Like yeah. Bar- so that was, that was, that's really cool. What about music? The, the movie soundtrack of Miss Pettigrew Lives for a Day. Right. Which is a terrific movie um, set in the 1920s or something. And when did it come out? I, I honestly can't remember. Um, okay. Quite a few years ago, I think. Yeah. And I think we ended up renting it via itunes or something we watched it i think we watched it twice and the soundtrack's really good and it's it's the lady from um fargo um okay yeah yeah you know margie or whatever it was yes yes oh francis Francis, that's right yeah yeah. so she was yeah yeah. so she plays this uh lady who is like a maid to to someone and she kind of has this extraordinary day which transforms the lives of one or two people and um it's great. It's a it's a hard recommend. Love um, it. So, Love um, but it. the music's really good too, and so I've ended up listening to that. I also discovered via sort of random playlists on Apple a great track from about twenty years ago uh, called "Que Sera," which is a, a sample by a by a bunch called Wax Taylor. Um, mm. And it's Do got like sampled. Sera, sera, yeah, yeah, but it's sampled yeah. and, it, and it sounds nothing like the Doris Day case, but it does have some of her vocals in it. Oh, nice. um, so I'll, I'll stick a link to that somewhere uh, so you can listen okay. to that track. And um, that it's become good. a bit of an earworm for me and 
my kids as well. <laughs> That's the thing about anything with samples in it, isn't it? Like once you repeat something enough, it's basically going to live with you forever. It's I quite think so. That works. So yeah. although I like discovering music, I very, I very rarely, you know, just go, oh, I'm waiting for this new album by this this person or that person. Yeah. And also because my daughter is getting into drumming quite a lot, I've ended up listening to Rosanna by Toto quite a lot this year as well. Yeah, that's a... Well, you can't go wrong, can you, with Toto? I think we talked about Africa in one of our earliest episodes. Right. It's great. Yeah. But, but Rosanna is an amazing track. Absolutely yeah. amazing. Rosanna, Rosanna. Yeah. It's a cracker. Yeah. It's a banger, as I think. It's a say. banger. But also, talking, <laughs> of, talking music, the other bit was... Um, I can't remember the track's name now, but the track in Stranger Things Series 4 where he's standing on the roof playing the electric guitar. Oh, yeah. It's... Um, Is it Metallica? It's Metallica, I think. Yeah. But yeah, it's something your master... Obey your master or something, or...? I, I just... Sorry, that's going to bug me now. Carry on. Stranger Things, roof, guitar, shred. Uh, Eddie Munson's upside down guitar. All right, what is it? It's, well, that's not right. It's not the Venger Boys. That's incorrect. No, no, yeah, I'd, it is I, I'd have remembered that. <laughs> it is Master of Puppets. Right. There you go. What we use on stage, but it's very, very special because if you can see, yeah. the numbers all go to 11. Look, right across the board. Oh. 11, oh, 11, and most of 11, and then amps go up to 10. Exactly. Does that mean it's louder? Is it any louder? Well, it's one louder, isn't it? I'm going to give a shout out for this year, the most listened to according to Spotify. And this was a new bit of music that this band are a band who I do the thing you were talking about where I'm just like, I can't wait. Whenever they have a new album out, I'm just going to just blitz it as soon as it comes out. The band is Beach House, and the album is called Once, Twice, Melody. And there's a particular song on there called... It's all great. It's a double album. and um, But there's a particular song called Superstar, which is amazing. It's so good that it makes me feel slightly dizzy when I listen to it. So that was my sort of favourite listening okay. this year. And also... It's worth saying, again, it's a it's a boring thing to say, but hey, that never stops me. When you become a parent, you... I don't know about you, but there's, there's lots of songs suddenly that I listen to now very differently. So songs about parents or fathers with daughters or, or parenting, like that kind of stuff. So there's two amazing songs about having kids this year, which are high up on my list. One is by the band Arcade Fire, and it's called Unconditional... Um, and that's uh, Unconditional Lookout Kid, I think it's called. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. And the other one is a song by the British band Elbow, and it's and this was a song that was put on my radar by our friend Brant, Brant Hansen, and it's called Magnificent, and it's all about watching your daughter running on the beach. Um, it sort of develops a lot from there, but it's beautiful. It's absolutely stunning. So those two, highly recommended. We wish you a Barry Cooper, we wish you a Barry Cooper, we wish you a Barry Cooper and a Kerry New Year. We were asked actually what our favourite episodes of our own show this year. Were uh, we asked that was. or did we ask that of ourselves? No, it was. I, we were asked, I think. Okay. I, it's never a question that I would ask myself. That would be far too self-referential and yeah. even narcissistic. I would never go there. Yeah. Do you have a do you even do you listen to our things once they come out? We obviously listen to them a lot in the making of them um, to make sure there's no major glitches. At least that's the theory. Although we but, did have one um, quite recently. We that, did miss one. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, we did. Whoops. We did fix that in the end. Whoops, apocalypse. Yeah, um, no. But, when, when it goes out, I don't because I do listen to it quite a lot because I I do edit 
the episode well, that's right. quite a lot yeah. because we're usually recording an hour plus and we usually try to put out, you know, 40, somewhere between yeah. 42 and 48 minutes. So I don't particularly want to listen to it again. The one that sort of really made me think a lot about theology and is still of interest to me, which we mentioned earlier about exorcism, is the cessation yeah. episode. Mate, that was my favourite episode as well. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know why. Well, why was it for you? What did it trigger? Well, because it just felt uncharacteristically well-structured as an episode. <laughs> 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 it's like, I just have a slightly out of body experience re-listening to it. I'm like, we didn't do that, did we? How yes, that that's happen? right. That episode and wasn't we, a shambles. How did that happen? It wasn't. <laughs> and also, it landed. I think you may have actually said within the episode. Well, I think we've landed in a really good spot there, which again is very uncharacteristic. We both put forward an argument. I think we both kind of agreed, and I came out of it a lot clearer on an important subject than I think I was when I went in. So. Yeah. I mean, in a way, I'm probably slightly less dogmatic about it in hindsight than I was at the time. Yeah. But equally, so we, ha so listeners go back and have a listen to it. That's the, probably the easiest thing to do. It's called God Told Me to Be a Cessationist. Yeah. The episode. And yeah. we were quite pleased with the title as well. But yeah. um, although my favourite title, as I think, You're Not Paul, You're Not Even Ringo, I think was, <laughs> was one of my favourite titles of the year. Um, yeah. I think one of my favourites, this may have actually been last year, but is the... You, uh, what is it? You don't look a day older than 4.5 4. billion or whatever yes. it was. I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's listen to us backslapping. But hey, it's Christmas. No, we can do, do what yeah. we like. Yeah, the cessationist episode. What was nice is we had lots of comments where people's, people respectfully disagreed with us because they hold a yes. charismatic continuationist view. Yeah. And I hear everything they're saying and I, I broadly agree with when someone says... So, for example, we had an email... Uh, from a guy called Paul, who had a particular experience uh, with his wife when a pastor, you know, he was called to the front and he was given a, pro a prophetic word that was, I, it sounds like, clearly of the Lord. Mm. Um, and it was a piece of guidance for them, which other people needed to hear as well. And he says, you know, that that wasn't scripture. Uh, that those mm. words weren't scripture, but I believe scripture shows us that something can be a revelation from God, but not scripture. Mm. And I think I'm still comfortable with that. It's just, I think people can have prophetic words and visions and things, but mm. I don't think they're operating in the way that they appear to in the New Testament, which are yeah. things that authenticate an apostolic ministry. But yes, quite. But the interesting little wrinkle on this is going through Acts at the moment um, in, in, as a church, you come across Stephen and Philip. And Philip particularly does mighty wonders. I think Stephen does too. Mm. Mm -hmm. And he's not an apostle. Well, it, this is where I, 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 would, I think that's clear. I don't think it is just apostolic. I right. just think it's good. When I talk about this stuff, I'm always thinking of the early church. Yeah. So, yes, I think... It was those gifts were given to people who weren't necessarily apostles, although you'd see them with yeah. all the apostles as well. But to authenticate an apostolic or apostolish yeah. ministry. Well, well, just to sort of kickstart the church, there's a sense in which, right, we're here's this weird new movement. Yeah. How does it authenticate itself to a watching world? And I think it, I think that's what was going on there. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah, we had a number of emails where people said I, I had this experience, um, but I, w I would say. I'm not sure that th that is necessarily in conflict with having a cessationist yeah. view. Therefore, I just don't think the gifts of the Spirit 
operate in a way in which in which yeah. the way in which people think they do. But they were lovely emails, weren't they? We had really they were lovely, ironic, kind, and that's what that's the thing. We do have really lovely listeners. Mm. <laughs> we really do. I feel really blessed by it. I mean, I don't know if you're lovely, the person who's listening to this right now, but you might be. And it seems like most of the gang are really lovely. So I'm very grateful to God for that. Totally. Yeah, yeah. And that's something that is is really precious in this incredibly polarised uh, world. And we yeah. do need to do an episode on the culture war. And, mm. you know, and the culture warriors who say, you know, with I have sympathy for the view, you may not be interested in the culture war, but the culture war is interested in you. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of fine. It's particularly coming for your children. So mm. that's all fine. But I don't think that needs means we all need to be culture warriors. But... Right watch this space um, well and that also ties into the whole debate that's going on at present about winsomeness isn't it yeah you know how exactly are we supposed to engage has has the tim keller method basically run out of steam now and do we need to be much more sort of combative but yeah that's for another episode it is it totally is Uh, we got some really good questions about, I think this was from Abigail, where she's on our Discord uh, chat server. And <clears throat> if you want to join her, you know what you know what to do. And she said, what's been your favourite part of being dads? Um, just to point out, we're not, we're not like dads together. We're two separate dads. But what's been your favourite part of being a dad, James? The thing I often feel my, hear myself saying, at least, so I must think it's some level, is... I really enjoy getting to know who my kids are. Hmm. So obviously there's an element of formation and shaping and uh, and that kind of thing. But it's just being surprised by them and being excited by them as to and just to seeing all these extra layers that are now coming out and seeing them Mm -hmm. develop their own tastes. And some they've clearly adopted from me, especially on music tastes, unfortunately. But then they surprise you with a view on this or that or they express themselves in a way. One of my kids... She she reported back a conversation we'd had with someone she knew, and I and I just thought, oh my goodness, that is a very robust conversation uh, to be having, and you want to be quite careful having those conversations. Uh, mm. So I think I've got a culture warrior on my hands there. <laughs> it's, you're right. It's such a glorious thing, isn't it, when you just suddenly realise that this you have quite willingly introduced an agent of chaos into your own life. Yeah, and if not chaos, then at least sometimes original thought in that it's very divergent from yours yeah and it is it's glorious it really is glorious yeah how about you what's been my favorite part of being a dad uh i'm going to borrow a line from philip larkin and say being pushed to the side of my own life Hmm. that's been the best part of being a dad so larkin always imagined that that would be a terrible thing you know losing yourself to have little or no time to yourself but i've just found it to be completely life-giving you know, mm. it makes it easier to be uh, self-forgetful, doesn't it? Which is a, it's just a much happier place to be, I think. Um, I mean, there are, the, there are the obvious things, obviously, like, you know, having a little chubby arm clamped around your leg when you come home from work. That's, that never gets old. Mm. Um, but well, for me... So, it, it does get old because well, they get old. Sadly, the chubby arms get old and, and less chubby. And, and slender yes. and taller and suddenly they're off doing something else. 
Yeah. Yeah. So enjoy the chubby arms while you have them, if you have them. But for me, another one of the hidden best things about being a dad is that you, in realising how demanding it is, you realise the sacrifices that your own father and your own parents yeah. made for you. Yeah. Which for me was huge. So two years ago, before my dad, uh, you know, wasn't, you know, stopped being able to use a computer and read emails and things. I, I was able, I'm so glad I did this. I just wrote to him and said, I don't think I've ever said this to you before, dad, but you know, I've through having little girls, I've realized how, how many sacrifices you must have made just mm. to, to, to look after us and to love us well. Yeah. So I just want you to know you are my hero. You're my absolute hero. Wow. And it, so that's been a huge thing. I think just, yeah. just getting that from having kids. That reminds me of a thought that occurred to me. I sat next to um, a friend of mine at a wedding and uh, she had just had a baby who was probably less than a year old. Um, hmm. And uh, she's aware that she now feels differently about things in a way that she didn't uh, a year ago and all that kind of stuff. Hmm. And I was, you know, she was talking about also how she feels guilty that when she hands her baby over to her husband, she sort of feels like he's not going to do the right thing every time. Hmm. And, and I, I said to her, and viewers may differ from this view, I said, you feel differently about your child than than the, the dad does because you grew mm. this baby inside you. Right. So, um, so although dad adores and adores and adores this child, you love him or her even more than that. And that was then chimed mm. with, so at this wedding, what happens at a wedding is people getting married, particularly without children, thank their parents for the extraordinary things that they do and that they did. Mm -hmm. And at this wedding, you know, one of the people <clears throat> had some particular needs, which they reflected on and said how amazing their parents were. And mm -hmm. I said, and I turned to this friend of mine and I said, to her, it's interesting, isn't it? At your wedding, you say thank you for all the sacrifices your parents make. And now you've got one, you know, there is nothing you wouldn't do for them. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Not. You would just do anything. You would crawl over broken glass. You'd take a bullet. You'd yeah. take a bullet. Yeah. You would, you know, when they're sick, you would say, I would pay money now to have that sickness. You know, yeah. if you could just give me a hundred quid, if I could just give somebody a hundred quid and then I'd be sick and not them, you'd pay, you'd yep. pay it. Without a thought. Without a thought. Yep. Even though your kids need, you know, knocks and bruises and all that kind of stuff, they do need uh, to experience life. But you just yep. love them so much. And that, and so when you're standing up in your wedding thanking your parents, what they do for you seems so much, and it is. But the moment you have kids of your own, you just think, oh yeah, no, you would totally do anything yeah. for them. You would drive yeah. them. It's a sacrifice, yeah. but you don't think of it as a sacrifice. Not really. It's, just, no. it's almost elemental and instinctive, isn't it? Yeah. It just it comes. And that is again the other lesson you we all get from this. I think as believers is, oh, the way I feel about my little girl, that's like God feels that way about me in yeah. fact even more than that and again that's a <laughs> that's a huge moment when you walk out that really is seeing with new eyes seeing seeing god with new eyes and as a result just seeing the world with new eyes it's uh yeah wow he the almighty god thinks of me like that that's just yeah that takes your yeah. breath away and actually i remember hearing a preacher say you know that sort of moment of honesty and you don't quite know what to do with it where he says you know god gave his son and he says, I wouldn't give my son. Huh. You know, it's like, what? Yeah. You, you just couldn't. You, you, you couldn't do that. And that's what I yeah. find so amazing about how truly demonic things must have been. We're going back to exorcisms again. But hmm. 
when Joshua tells the people in the land, don't intermarry with the Canaanites because the next thing you'll do, you'll end up sacrificing your children to idols. And they go, no, 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 we won't, we won't do that. And you think, I'm surprised he needs to say that because that doesn't sound like the sort of thing that anyone would actually do. Yeah, because you'd say, oh, slippery slope. And they go, oh, give us a break. Yeah. There's no way I'm slipping down that far. Yeah. yeah. Turn the page. Judges, chapter one. Yeah. Oh, you're kidding me. Seri- you know, it's all, it's yeah. pretty yeah. pretty fast after that. It's incredible, isn't it? Child sacrifice. Yeah. Next on our Christmas episode. Yeah. It, this might be, a t- given that this is a sort of a Christmassy episode, we thought we might draw attention to the uh, top 10 most influential Christian books. <laughs> Um, which was recently talked about on Twitter. So we thought that we would treat the subject with the seriousness it deserves. Here we go. In of this week's number 10, it's Tommy Akempis with The Imitation of Christ. Up three places to number nine, it's Athanasius on the Incarnation, taken from his forthcoming album, Put Your Hands in the Arius. At number eight, it's Clive Staples, Mere Christianity Mate. And down two places at number seven, the Nicene Creed. Nice. At number six, the timeless and inexplicably popular non-allegory Pilgrim's Progress by Jean Bunyan. At number five, Martin Luther got 95 theses, but a lady ain't one. Down one place to number four, it's Augustine with his soft rock classic, City of God. And at three, it's Johnny Calvin and his double A side, Institutes of the Christian Religion. <laughs> Hashtag totes to prayer, mate. Up four places to number two, it's Tommy Aquinas with his Summer Theologiae, which means theological sums. And still at number one, it's that man again, Augustine, with his saucy confessions. We should just delve, delve into the mailbag. Mm. There was, we had a nice email from our friend uh, Tom who talked about our episode where we talked about reading the Bible. Yeah, he pointed to the fact that uh, although Anglo-Catholics have re- more reading and more Bible in church services than evangelicals often do, he points out that evangelicals often read all of it and don't miss verses out. Whereas if you lean mm. on the lectionary, which is the uh, assorted readings, verses are missing. So, for example, he says... Mm, that's not good. Yeah. The Sunday after Ascension Day in year C, because there are three years of the lectionary, which sets Revelation 12, uh, 22, 12, um, it cuts out verses that warn you about the serious consequences of taking away words <laughs> from the prophecy. <laughs> That's brilliant. So you get wow. verses 12 to 14 and then verse 16 and 17 and then verses 20 yeah. and 21. So you don't get verses 15 and 18 and 19. Wow. And I think that's a real that, problem. That is, that is called soaring off the branch that you're standing on. Yeah, my word. Yeah, that's yeah. Terrible, so that's that's pretty breathtaking. And then I loved his other point where he says, "I agree with the principle that you of what you say about readings and good readers being really important. The biggest reason why readings are often poor is that no one, i.e., the vicar, is willing to willing to tell certain people that their gifts lie elsewhere." Yes. Yes. We should be able to do that, shouldn't we? Especially especially if our sense of self-worth is in Christ. But you're right, yeah, it doesn't... It's hard to say, isn't it? And hard to receive sometimes. Yeah. He also makes another point, doesn't he, that... So he says on in his experience, 
the great thing about a lot of conservative evangelical churches is that he says, I've heard readings and sermons from almost every book in the Bible. Yeah. And yes, I think that is a very good point. That is a great thing about being big on expository preaching. So you're letting yeah. the Bible set the agenda rather than just, you know, the, the preacher's hobby horses or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very good. Very good. Completely fair enough. Um, when it comes to easing people off the Bible church reading rotor, I think it's not unreasonable to raise the bar and say, we are going to do some sessions of training so that everyone does it well. And mm -hmm. I think sometimes, and this applies to lots of other areas, in children, including children's ministry, is if you say, well, anyone can do it and have a go at it and keep having a go at it and not doing it well, it rather implies that you don't think it's terribly important. Yeah. So yeah. there's always that temptation to say, we need more volunteers to help with our kids' work. And if you make the bar to entry extremely low, you may initially get more volunteers. But actually, if you have people who aren't particularly suited to it or aren't particularly keen to do it, they do it. Yeah. And then after a while, oh, well, I tried that. And actually, I'm busy that Sunday and I can't do the Sunday after. And um, so I mm -hmm. think there are real downsides to sort of saying, well, anyone can do this. And if you raise the bar and say, we're going to do this better. And if yes. people say, but I don't want to come to classes to do it, you go, oh, OK, well, that's kind of the deal. Yeah. Um, and it may be that's, that they can guidance. improve and do yeah. it better, in which case it's a win-win. So that's my um, yeah. completely naive view of ministry from a lay person. Um, Very so helpful. Always helpful to have uh, completely uninformed opinions on this show. It's yeah. what we're all about. No, I'd agree with you on that. I think that's right. Ashley um, sent us a question, actually. She said, I would love to hear about any special Christmas traditions for your families. James, you strike me as, your family strikes me as, as good with traditions and things. Um, what, that's your Anglicanism coming out. Uh -huh. So what, what, anything you'd say on that? Do you have any special Christmas traditions? We've developed a few as a family. So you sort of inherit one or two from your own family without realising they're one. Because you just say, well, everyone does this. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that's it's normal. Right. Everyone yeah. has a ham sandwich for breakfast on Christmas Day. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And just, everyone you... does what they did. What I did at a Christmas party yesterday, which was get a bunch of pantyhose and stuff them full of balloons, and then put them on your head, uh, and then sing Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. Everyone does that, don't they? That's normal. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a Sorry, thing, right? Yeah, that's a thing. One is we have cinnamon buns for breakfast. Lovely. Which my daughter makes, and she makes mean. Uh, cinnamon iced cinnamon buns gluten free or no 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 we glutes. love glu gluten yum as much gluten as possible as much Good. gluten as possible extra gluten possibly i mean we yeah. must try to get enhanced gluten flour put that in there yeah, yeah. put That's that it. in there <laughs> yeah the other thing we we've started doing and this is a controversial one but i think some people might like this hmm. so going back to what i said at the start i think we should celebrate Christmas for 12 days. Not The Bible doesn't tell us to, and that's fine. I get it. Go all yeah. regulative if you want. But yeah. rather than having this absolute overload of presents on Christmas Day, why not, especially for kids, eke the presents out over Christmas tide? Yeah. So actually, in previous years, we've actually had 12 days of presents. So you have a you know a, a decent big present on Christmas Day, but then all of the mm. other stocking fillers and everything else, you sort of have them over the course of, including presents from aunties and uncles yeah. or whoever. I think that's really good. Yeah, I, yeah. I like that a lot. So we're and liking we do that, that sort of here. Yeah, that's a very good tradition. I think we don't tend to space them out over twelve days, but I think that's what we should do. Very, very good. Get in there early, we, especially while your kids 
are, are younger and you just can trick them into thinking this is what everyone does and this is what we've is always what done. Does. And if you remember it differently, yeah. well, I don't understand that. Well, they always they already have a bit of a foretaste of that because we have an advent calendar. Admittedly, it, admittedly, it is Paddington Bear, but it is an advent calendar. So every day they've got used to a new thing. Mm. Um, so I, I think that is good. I don't know whether we have many special Christmas traditions. We do have particular baubles on the tree that remind us of particular fun times, yeah. which I think is really helpful. Just putting them on and remembering things and then seeing them every day is really helpful. So there's a porg on there, uh, which reminds us that the movie the last jedi was an abomination okay um, big ben is on there which obviously reminds us of good times in the uk there's a photo of lee and i on our wedding day which is uh, yeah it's kind of sweet i think this is a thing that probably brits wouldn't do this feels like quite an american thing do you think it's yeah. like that that habit of sending family photos at christmas is a very american thing i think brits are a bit sort of toe curling well you might get that. it on a on a christmas letter that gets that, yeah. that might get emailed round to people yeah, okay. So, so but maybe not turned into a Christmas bauble is what you're saying. New. No. <laughs> yeah, too much. That's yeah. too much. Fair enough. Well, don't forget that we are a we're a cross-cultural marriage, so I have to there's give and take, right? You're young. You're an individual. You enjoy selfies, energy drinks, and you don't take no nonsense from no one. And that's why you love Cooper and Carrie have words. Did you see any movies this year? Because I've got one movie, which is an old one, but I saw it and Oof. really enjoyed it. Uh, I rewatched Planes, Trains and Automobiles and realised simultaneously both how funny that is, but also how painful to watch right. it is. It's not terribly fun most of the running time. It's quite stressful, As genius, it? Yeah, it is, it is. But obviously that's great. But I don't think I've watched many movies this year, honestly. No, me neither. My favourite too. So I watched Chef by Jon Favreau. Yeah, that's good, isn't it? It's a lovely movie. I really enjoyed that. Um, yeah. And I also enjoyed Enola Holmes 2 on Netflix. I hear that's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Better okay. than Enola Holmes 1, which was pretty good. Yeah. yeah. That's with uh, Millie Bobby Brown, right? Yeah. Yeah. From yeah. Stranger okay. Things. 11. Yeah. 11. I've only just realised that she's 11. 11. This, that, these yeah. go up to 11. We were going to talk about our... Uh, personal highlight of the year. Have you got anything on that in that category? What was the best thing that happened this year for you and the fam? Well, or maybe just for you. You you really changed the goalposts there for me and the family because I was about to go. Well, there was this test match that we won that was absolutely incredible. <laughs> no, it's fine. You can move the goalposts. Work-wise, um, I'm in a much better place now mentally than I was this time last year. I think, and I I kind of reached a bit of a low over the summer, and thought things aren't going very well what am I doing and then mm. I had a bit of an out-of-body experience where I just thought oh you don't listen to your own advice um <laughs> if you emailed yourself uh if you emailed your other podcast Sipcon Geeks and said please help me this is my situation you know exactly the five things you would tell you to do so why aren't you doing any of those things you big idiot that's very good so I yeah. had a word with myself um, <laughs> You've got to stop running away from yourself, you mate. Stop, yes, exactly, yes. <laughs> when are you going to wake up to yourself? I, Just, I, I woke think up, I haven't tried? I woke up to myself. But there I go, herring down the driveway, <laughs> running away from myself. <laughs> was, that, was that Fry and Laurie? Was that... Yeah, it is. I think it's in the original Fry and Laurie pilot. Okay. Uh, uh, well, that's yet another one for the, uh, for the jingles. For us to cram ourselves into. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, and actually, I, you know, I'm in a much better place. I've got a couple of exciting things which I might talk about at some point in the future once the ink is dry on contracts and stuff. But um, 
Very good. But yeah, exciting times ahead. And it feels like even if the current things don't uh, work out, that there are other things. And I really felt that moment of... I, I know that when I'm plotting and writing and thinking about sitcom episodes or murder mysteries or writing projects... When I do that, I feel God's pleasure. I feel this is yeah. what God has made me to do and this is what I should continue to do until I am physically prevented from doing it. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, over the last year or two, I've been like, what am I doing? What's going on? And I just thought, no, get back on the horse. And That's very good. Yeah, trot, trot off Feeling down God's the pleasure whilst doing... Do you think people always need to feel that... Is that really... Uh, so I get what you're saying, and I think that's important for you. It's been really important for me as well mm. with going into pastoring, knowing that when I'm <clears> preaching, that's when I most feel God's pleasure. Um, don't know about anybody else's pleasure. but <laughs> That's just right. Um, just doesn't <laughs> come into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but do you think that's always... Like if you were giving advice to somebody maybe who's listening now and is thinking about a, maybe a change of career or they've just moved into a new job or something... Is it still okay to do something where you're thinking, oh, this is really, you know, thorns and thistles. It is rough. I'm not, I wish I was doing something else. Should you pull the ripcord or is it still, does God smile on you even when you're doing stuff that's, you know? Well, firstly, I would say don't take advice from podcasts. I mean, I, I cannot. That's excellent. Cannot stress yeah. that enough. Um, Nothing that either of us say ever constitutes legal advice <laughs> legal yeah financial your home may be at risk yes sorry. your home <laughs> yes, may yes. be at risk if you continue <laughs> to listen to this podcast that's right um yeah i think there's an element of like what is your situation what are your gifts and abilities what are your opportunities and if you're not being given opportunities to use your gifts and abilities then um then maybe you need to wait or maybe you need to reevaluate or whatever but also it's like what is your capacity stage of life you know and I, I i sort of selfishly went off to become a writer and earned very small amounts of money before i was married with kids and i did that on purpose because i thought i now have the luxury of not having anyone depending on me yeah but if yeah. you are pursuing a dream and your family are really not on board with it i think you've got to have a yes. pretty compelling reason uh to do it and there are, but there are there are some things I do that I do not enjoy and would rather not do, and some that are related to activities I do with regard to the Church of England, and mm. I do them because I have capacity to do them and I think I should mm. do them, so they're not fun. I would rather not do them, but it is a way of serving, and I feel you know, and it gives me authority in other areas. So there is an element of like doing this because it's the right thing to do. Not because I have aptitude for it, not because I want to do it, but because I should do it. Um, but it's very easy to confuse all of those, all of those things. And there, yeah, I think there is a danger of saying, "I know what I'm meant to be. I just need to believe in myself and stuff." And it's like, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah, and also, I guess there are any number of people who we were joking about it earlier. But I mean, you, it's one thing to feel God's pleasure as you're doing something, but that isn't doesn't always mean that you should be doing that particular thing. Yeah, you know that that you know a lot of people go get the feels about something, and you're like, oh, they should not be doing that. Yeah. That's not good. And I anyway. think um, Cal Newport uh, is a uh, secular writer who's written deep work yeah. among other things. I think so good they can't ignore you is probably also worth reading, which is one of his first ones, where he 
quite nicely kind of uncouples ways of making money and vocation and what you really want to do and those sorts of things. And one of them is mm. like, if you're in your 20s and you want to follow your dreams, I don't quite think you know what your dreams are. And mm -hmm. I don't, and I think, you know, I want to be a train driver. A five-year-old wants to be a train driver because they like trains. That's not a mm. career plan. Um, and it's only when they're older, they have a stronger sense of who they are, what they're interested in, what even a job is. Uh, and also what, a, what train driving actually involves. That's yeah. the thing, isn't it? Like when you're a kid, it's just like, oh, I get to go woo woo all day. It'll yeah. be brilliant. Yeah, but, yes. yeah, yeah, not so much. I think that's quite a good, good, some good, sensible, secular advice there. And of course, I can't remember how, what we took because we did last time, the, our last episode with uh, Reagan Rose. Yeah, we talked a fair amount about productivity, and but we didn't didn't quite so much talk about you know life goals and what we should really be doing. But um, hmm. there's a piece there. There is, there is, and he does say, doesn't he? Talks about uh, you know, do dig out the last episode if you haven't heard it, but he talks about creating a well-done statement. I do think that is quite focusing in mm. terms of what you give your life to. What would you like, Jesus, you know, well done, good and faithful servant. You did this, you did this, you did this. What would you like that statement to be? That's quite, I think that's quite helpful, isn't it? Yeah. And I think, yeah, so it's a good distinction because what would I love to do? I've said how much I love cricket and I've occasionally thought, wouldn't it be cool to be a cricket commentator? And so in yeah. one sense, that's a dream job, but it's not, that's, it's kind of silly because that's not, Yeah. I, I'm not a, former cricketer i don't have expertise in that area um it's so not we, where god has brought you yeah 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 so there, there are these sort of dreams that we have but yeah. they're again they're passions and excitements and hobbies rather than how do i turn this into a job and actually some people start doing a passion for money and discover that they've lost a love for it and suddenly it's all it's yeah. all gone yeah absolutely cooper and carrie have words Regular listeners will know that I've spent half of this year um, in Epsom, in Surrey, looking after my dad. And it's been grim in many ways. But I spent two weeks, this was so good, with my family in a place called Ashburton in Devon. And we stayed in a 16th century house that was uh, originally a Quaker meeting house. I think I'm right in saying. And I actually dreamed about it last night. It was that memorable. So lopsided floors and hidden staircases and monumentally thick oak tables and all the rest of it. And we explored Dartmoor with the kids. We ate freshly baked rosemary bread every morning from the local baker. And that was just a high point for me. So we used to go to Devon when we were when we, we were kids. So it just felt like a handing on of the baton and seeing the kids running up and down the tours on uh, on Dartmoor was just utterly joyous. Um, I spent a couple of days in St Andrews, Scotland, with uh, Dr Sinclair Ferguson, interviewing him about his advice for younger pastors. And then, as God's providence would have it, um, I was invited to, to pastor by my church. So that was just a wonderful, that sort of sequence of events was was lovely. There was a guy, and I do I do want to mention him on this episode, there was a, the first person at our church to really spend time with Lee and I five years ago was an older man called Keith and his wife Barbara and during that evening when we, we had our first kind of dinner together he said have you thought about pastoring you know and I said no well a little bit funny you should say that and that in a way set a trajectory he went to glory this year just a couple of months ago to be with the Lord and uh, it was just I just thought about him a lot this year as things started to fall into place. And um, it's just such a blessing to have fellow elders and fellow church members who just meet with you for a meal and just 
say encouraging things every so often so mm. here, here's to you keith and here's to you barbara yeah that's great and also if you're called keith you have by law to be married to somebody called barbara it's the, i think that's right it's the perfect yeah. it's the perfect couple uh perfect yeah. couple name but yeah it's worth thinking mm. about that i mean i think when there's a guy local to me who i sort of use as an unofficial sort of mentor and i try stuff out and when i when we're thinking about demon possession and exorcisms and theological stuff that feels a bit like is this anything is this i sometimes mm -hmm. sort of go i've been thinking about this so i've been reading this and thinking that i just sort of check in to make sure i'm not crazy or i'm not straying away too far or you know all that kind of thing and he says oh yes mm. no I've, in fact i've got a book about that i'll i'll lend it to you um so i think for those of us listening you know thinking about when we're older what sort of older people are we going to be yeah. And how do we start being that now? You know, how do we look out for those younger who we can, you know, encourage, yeah. mentor, offer a word or two to? Um, because I think people are kind of hungry for it, aren't they? I think they're starving for it. Yeah, no doubt. About and in it. real life and not online or via some absurd podcast. I mean, who? Yeah. I mean, what, what, That's never going to catch what on. What kind of credible role yeah. modeling is that? So tomorrow night we're having a little gathering around our fire pit of like just young couples and slightly shamefully we my wife and i were not the ones who initiated this but it was the young couples who basically said you've been married for six years that's an eternity you must have lots of wisdom about being married we'd love to pick your brains so that's what we're doing so but, by tomorrow night you might have some wisdom yeah i'm hope hopefully if they keep talking and we keep listening yeah but it is it's it's that's what churches are supposed to be doing isn't it at yeah. least in part yeah, and that's exciting. It's only really occurred to me again afresh recently, just standing in my own church. What an extraordinary uh, thing it is to be in a church with rich and poor, young and old, and all and and, and everyone in between uh, of different mm -hmm. races and tribes and tongues. And you think this doesn't really happen anywhere else? Yeah, you know? and also full of people who are quite frankly bonkers and eccentric yeah. and weird. Yeah. And if you, by the way, if you don't think you've got one of those in your church, it's you. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Um, it's but, you. But that again, yeah, who else is doing that? It's wonderful. It's really wonderful. Yeah. So, yeah, lots to be encouraged by, really. And what's going to happen in 2023? Who knows? Let's not think about that. Let's put our fingers in our ears briefly and go la, 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 la. Let's be like Mrs. Carey and enjoy the moment. Yeah. And just sit. Here we are at the end of 2022. Thank God for what he's given us and uh, leave him to decide what happens next. Yeah. It does seem like we are really going to need his help in the year to come. It feels like... No, yeah. I think everything's going great, James. <laughs> I think we. I think it's all good. It really we feels feel like things are falling apart here in England. It has to, it has to be said. The centre cannot hold. In the yeah, UK. It yeah, I, I, it, it feels different from how I've ever felt it before. Even different from like the post-Brexit rage and all that kind of stuff because because like yeah. stuff seems to be deteriorating um and it's I guess people say that do they in every generation I know what you mean but I'm thinking back to the 70s when we were too young to realize you know the the bleakness of sort of power cuts and yeah. people going on strike and then hating Thatcher in the 80s and stuff like I'm sure there were tons of people who were just saying this country is just yeah, yeah. Is not what it used but, to but be. But this and... feels like the 70s where there wasn't enough yeah. energy and people hate the government and everyone's going on strike. I mean, those are all the things that are yeah. happening now. And so, very polarised, yeah. very polarised politically. So it's yeah. not like we've never been here before, but it feels like we haven't really been here before in my it's own adult life. It's here before on steroids. 
Yeah. Well, kind of. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Not the good kind of steroids. No, but lots of <laughs> reasons to be cheerful. Lots to give thanks for. I think so. I um, think so. So, uh, so we'll say. Look cheerio. at us landing the plane. Yeah. Look at us. There that. we go. Are we going to hang on for Patreon? We'll we'll just do a few more minutes on Patreon and then we'll... Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think it'd be good. Thanks for joining us this year, listeners. uh, You're the best listeners, obviously. We'll create some sort of medal to send out to you all. Mm. Thank you for joining us. And do join us again next year, God willing. Because I, just on a personal level, I, I get the joy of talking to James. But I also... It just has really helped me think through stuff this year, just keeping doing this podcast, which I wouldn't do otherwise. And, you know, becoming a, a pastor, I think it's it's that's going to be even more helpful uh, than it was previously. So thank you, uh, listeners, for facilitating that. Yeah. Thanks very much, everyone. Cheerio. Bye-bye.